This is Sandy Floria, and you're listening to She Walks Brave. When I ponder what it looks like to walk brave, I think of women I've met living in small towns or big cities who walk with elderly parents, other able children, toddlers, and teenagers, some from home, some from outside their homes. Some walk with chronic illness and other unseen wounds. And some of these women walk daily on foreign soil, navigating life in a culture different from their own. I've talked to single women called there by God and living out that call with great courage. Each of them have a valuable story to share on how they bravely live their lives to engage the world around them with the gospel message. Whether married, single, widowed, or divorced, most of them don't feel very brave. They are, and all of them, are my heroes. Today on She Walks Brave, I welcome Grace Kabalka. Grace is a certified spiritual director and Enneagram coach. She served as a women's ministry director for 25 years at a church in Bakersfield, California. She's lived in the Congo and spent many months in Romania doing orphan care. She and her husband Steve have four adult children and nine grandchildren. Her passion is to walk in intimacy with Christ and to help others do the same. Ephesians 3.18 is one of her favorite verses, and it summarizes her constant longing. May you have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love is. Welcome Grace Kobaka to She Walks Brave. Today on She Walks Brave, I welcome a dear friend, Grace Kabalka from Bakersfield, California. Welcome, Grace, to the podcast. Thank you, Sandy. Happy to be here. I want to (laughs) tell our listeners just a little bit about how you and I met. Mm -hmm. So we met a little over two years ago, I think it was, at Mm -hmm. a women's retreat that we were volunteering at in Krakow, Poland, with a ministry called Esmera. And it's a ministry that is based in the U.S., but we go overseas and hold retreats for kingdom workers living on the front lines of faith and ministry overseas. And we just have a little retreat for them and pamper them and speak into them and just share God's delight in them and encourage them that way. And that was how we met. So I just want to get that out of the way so people know the little bit of the history. So when we start talking familiar, they'll understand that. Yeah. Grace, I'd like for you to share with our listeners how you came into ministry and what you're doing now. There's a big transformation I know throughout the course of your ministry. And some of that will have to do with being brave and stepping out in Mm -hmm. faith and seeing what God is doing now and what he has been doing in your life and how that all worked out. So if you just share that with our listeners, that'd be great. So I met my husband when I was 19 and we fell in love fast and got married two years later, never lived in the same town. And he became a youth pastor in my city. So at 21, I was a pastor's wife Mm. and I'd only really been walking with the Lord myself 
for about two years, and it was all pretty new to me. And all of a sudden, I was this woman of authority <laughs> because I was a pastor's wife. Most of the kids in my youth group, our youth group, were you know some were just a few months younger than me. So mm-hmm. it was just a bizarre setting. So we um, dove in. I have a very high energy husband who loves, loves, loves youth and is great with them. So we had a lot of fun in our youth group, but I'm not sure what we offered as far as a lot of depth <laughs> of how to really walk with God. Mm-hmm. So a few years into that, we changed churches, moved to a new church. And at that church where he was youth pastor, it was required that the pastor's wives all go to Bible study. Mm. And so that was kind of my first delve into being in a Bible study. And then it was not just required that we do it. What happened is the leaders of that Bible study immediately quit. So all of a sudden, I think at 23 years old with one baby, I know at that point, I was now in charge of Bible study. Oh. And so it was just kind of crazy how I got pulled into ministry, but it really threw me into the Word of God, which was a good thing. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it just became very informational. You know, mm-hmm. I just was learning and teaching and leading and learning and teaching and leading. And then as time went on, I that grew and grew and grew and became a great gift in my life, but also became very dutiful. Mm-hmm. Like I just was kind of studying and teaching to get it out there, which it meant so much to me. But I realized I was really growing kind of this partnership with God where I was really working for him. Right. And my husband eventually left youth ministry. and that's a, long story, but he went into the education system back into what he went to college for, became a PE teacher, and I stayed in ministry and eventually went on staff at this same church where he was youth pastor and served there as women's ministry director, unpaid, part-time, and then eventually full-time for, I think, close to 25 years. Wow. So it was a big, big chunk of my life. Yeah. And yeah, so that was my ministry story. (laughs) So you stepped (laughs) bravely into ministry when you were very young, not really knowing maybe yeah. what you were getting yeah. into. I didn't know that's where I was stepping, but yeah. <laughs> you didn't know you were being brave. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I was being brave. Exactly. <laughs> I know that there was a point when you were done. You had to be done with ministry mm-hmm. and we can dive into that as much as you want or not. But I feel like that is a story of, well, you've expressed a lot of brokenness through that and a lot of rebuilding that God had to do in your Absolutely. life. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's so gracious and kind and gentle. And I, I love how as the shepherd, he leads us just to where we need to be. Even if it is out into a wilderness, that's very uncomfortable. Mm. You know, he, he's with us there. And so I definitely feel like I got led out into a wilderness of leaving that particular ministry as women's ministry director for a lot of reasons. But one big one was limiting view of women in ministry that Mm -hmm. that church has. And I could no longer stay in that. I have two daughters that we've had some pretty strong conversations about. And um, I just started studying that issue myself and doing a lot of reading and researching and realized that wasn't where I could really serve wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I walked away from that family, a church I loved, loved, loved. And I still have so many friends there and and family there. I still love that church. So yeah, I walked away from that. Then right near around that time, my husband and I moved to the Congo, which was a brave step. Yes. But during all of that, especially living in the Congo, seeing the poverty and the way that God didn't fit in the box I had in, in here, mm-hmm. um, led me to a time of really wondering who I was, who he was. And I didn't, I wouldn't say I walked away from my faith because I really didn't, but I just started wondering what faith really looks like in different settings and when it just didn't line up like it used to when I was younger. 
Yeah. That was a scary journey, but such a sweet journey. And I would say that journey, which really lasted maybe five years, Mm -hmm. took me from really just a head, and I wouldn't say fully head, but kind of an intellectual head, transactional relationship with God as my employer to really walking with him, such deep love and Mm -hmm. understanding that I'm held and treasured and shepherded by him in a way that grew into a true intimate friendship. Mm -hmm. So it really is a tough place to be, though. When you come to this, when you come to this point, there's almost a crisis in your faith. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a crisis situation and you have to make some choices. Am I going to dump all of this and walk away from it? Or am I going Mm -hmm. to throw the pieces out on the floor and pick up the ones that make the most sense as to the God I'm seeing really at work in the world. And I think it is a scary place. I I know Mm -hmm. in my own life, I feel like I'm going through some of that myself in figuring out what pieces of this faith puzzle actually Mm -hmm. fit together and make the most sense to me through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But finding that place and finding that voice again, that that God has given me and gifted me with, finding that voice that stands up and says, these are the things that I'm going to peg and hang my hat on and grip onto with everything of my being. Yeah, it is a very scary time and a very dark time and a a lonely time. Mm -hmm. I think what you're saying is so true. And I think just to know there's been thousands and thousands and thousands who've walked through that wilderness before us mm-hmm. and they're cheering us on, you know, oh, yeah. I know. It, it really is a form of grief. You know, yeah. you're, you're losing your footing, like you're like not, not your foundation, but kind of your footing. You're just mm-hmm. kind of sliding. And I think grief, you can't rush it. You know, it is a process that you have to walk through at some point in your life. I think almost everybody does and are really sincerely trying to engage with God on a deeper level. And it's a grief and it's a mountain you have to climb over. You can't run around it. You know, it's it's hard work, but it's such good work. And I just encourage people now, like you will get to the other side, not that we ever land, but it will get lighter. That darkness can feel very, very heavy and scary when you're in it. I think there are times that we have to learn to function in the dark. Mm-hmm. We have to learn to walk through the dark, not fearfully, but strongly, boldly walk through the dark, knowing that yeah. God is there as well, even if we can't see him in the brightness. brightness. We want that. Our, Our human nature is-, is we want that brightness. We're taught as children to be afraid of the dark. And I think that's, that's unfortunate in some ways, because a lot of... Mm-hmm. Precious things happen in the darkest times of our lives. Yeah. There's a verse that talks about treasures in the darkness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are great treasures there. And all treasures, you know, are in darkness. So you have right. to dig for them. Right. And it, it is a dig, digging, digging time. And, and Psalm 139, isn't that where Psalmist writes, even the dark isn't dark to God. Right. There is no darkness with him, you know, and in him. So he's there. We're, wherever we're making our bed, he's there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love that. How long were you guys in the Congo? We were just there a year. We were supposed to be there two years. First, my husband was teaching at the international school there, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and I was working with a missions agency. But there were three wars while we were there. We were released to come home. It's a a very troubled country. Yeah. Yeah. So when you came back to the States, your mindset had been kind of blown, actually. You had spent this year in the Congo, and you'd come from a very evangelical American, probably I'll say white view of God. And that had already been upended a little bit when you had left your ministry at the church for 25 years and Mm -hmm. began to see God in a different light as far as his love and desire for women to be in service to him as well. 
But when you came back from the Congo, maybe God even had a different color face than what you had gone to Congo seeing. Yeah, for sure. And and I came back really pretty torn up. And Mm -hmm. in his grace, he led me to a ministry that was really for leaders in ministry, but it was based in a retreat setting where you go to six retreats over two years. And it really was just a gentle path of learning to encounter God in ways that you didn't maybe practice before, some spiritual practices that were foreign to my evangelical tradition Mm -hmm. and became very life-giving for me. It made God really meet me where I'm at instead of me trying to figure out where he's at, where I just allowed him to lead that relationship and guide me into places of healing where it was okay, like you said, to have the the questions. And there's a 14th century writer that wrote about the cloud of unknowing. And Mm -hmm. Augustine even talked about that too, where we have to just get comfortable in that space where we don't know. There's so much I don't know. Now I know through the love of God and me loving him, it's a different kind of knowledge is that he will walk with us every step of the way. And he does give us what we need, even when we don't know what that is. It definitely changed my whole view of how we engage in ministry, how much more relational it should be. The church is a who, not a what. You know, it's it's all about relationship. Christianity is Jesus walking with him, letting his words live in us. Um, You know, we always use the term in Bible study, we apply God's word to our life. I don't care for that term anymore. There's nothing wrong with it. For me personally, it became a heavy load. Mm-hmm. And I much prefer the language. It might be all semantics. I don't know, but just his invitation for me to join him in the work mm-hmm. he's already doing. Mm-hmm. That's much more life-giving to me. And I, I want to join him because I read about him in the Gospels. I listen to him through the Gospels. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. see what, how compassionate, how loving. I love verses like he hung out with notorious sinners. You know, that's where he was known to be. And, and he clothed the naked, you know, and he, he visited the sick. And just those words that are so gracious and compassionate. And to me, that's the gospel. You know, that, yeah. that was the gospel he preached through the way he lived. And, and me entering that rather than let's think of another program. How do we get more people here? How do we, mm-hmm. that became kind of my job. Nothing, I don't want to sound judgmental about that because the church needs to do that. But I needed other ways of walking out the gospel that was more authentic to who I was and, mm-hmm. and who I think Jesus was in the world. I grew up in that evangelical world as well, and I see how often we have all of these events, these programs and things, like you said, they are needed on certain levels. But once we have their attention, once we have someone's attention, what do we do with it? Mm -hmm. How do we engage them in such a way that they don't feel like a number or a checkmark, but that they really know that they are seen and heard and loved? I think that's why I love the story of Hagar so much because you see her saying, I am seen by God. He sees mm-hmm. me. And mm-hmm. that is such an important part of, of humanness being mm-hmm. seen. Right. And so knowing even from the very beginnings, and she wasn't even one of the chosen people, God saw her and made it known to her that she mm-hmm. was seen. And yeah. I think that sometimes myself included, we fall short of making sure that people actually know that they are seen and heard because that is such an intricate part of who we are as human beings. Yeah, I think so too. And that's really what people are longing for. Mm -hmm. Do you see me and do you want to know me? And am I lovable? Yeah. 
Jesus came and died for them. (laughs) And he also came to show us how to live. And I love the start of Hagar, too. And she had no right, no no voice. She had no choice in where her life took her. And for God to reveal to her first out of anybody that he sees you. Mm -hmm. And how precious is that? And what a message to especially women who feel unseen and victimized. That God sees them and he's listening to them. Yeah. And he provides for them. He provided mm-hmm. for her in a very dire place. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't always look like what we think it will, but he's oh. there doing that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I want to shift gears a little bit because you're you're moving into, I don't want to call it a new ministry because I know you've been doing these things for a little bit, but you have some things coming up that you're very passionate about. Share a little bit about what those yeah. things are. So when I was thinking about you know the question of what is bravery, I came up with the definition. It's just stepping into what's uncomfortable for the right reasons. Mm, I like There's that. There's big steps of bravery, but for me, it's just moving against what I would naturally be comfortable doing or, or being a part of or you know just showing up for where, where I feel like the Lord's saying, uh, you're going to lead on this. You're going to step in. And I'm kind of used to stepping out of my comfort zone, but it's never comfortable. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the big things moving to a foreign land, yeah, that's brave. But sometimes for me, it's just engaging in a difficult conversation. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's brave. Well, in 2012, I became a certified spiritual director, which for the evangelical community, that's foreign. It's a yeah. Yeah. term people don't understand. And for anyone listening that doesn't understand it, that means you sit with people and just help them hear their own heart in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. It's just sacred listening, asking questions, praying together. If someone's stuck maybe in how to grow deeper with God, I might suggest some practices. It's very simple and an old practice you can read about. But through that training and through that practice, I became introduced to the Enneagram, which is also scary for a lot of evangelical yeah. conservative people. But the Lord gently led me into that and helped me to see that it is a very old tool that can really be useful in spiritual formation as we become self-aware and we start noticing limiting patterns in our own personality that are hindering us from really fully living out who God created us to be. So through that, I felt led to study it and become certified in that to teach and to help people engage in that tool. And all of this is a tool. There are many great tools out there. Right. I don't believe in the Enneagram. I, I do believe it is useful for spiritual formation in the right setting. So, for example, for me, I identify with type nine. You're not your type, but I identify with a type nine. Our biggest fear is conflict. Mm -hmm. So I look at that now and I look back and see all the ways I've avoided opportunity for the sake of peace. That wasn't really peace. I want internal and external peace. So because I had this strong desire to avoid any kind of conflict to keep the peace, um, I was afraid to step into arenas that weren't familiar to most of my peers. But God led me into this, I truly believe. And it's become a part-time job for me. I have been teaching yeah. workshops on how to figure out your type and then what to do with that knowledge because it's not just knowledge for knowledge's sake. It's really leads to paths of transformation. Mm-hmm. Well, that's been a big step for me. Yeah, a friend of Kelly, who you know, a friend of ours. Mm-hmm. And I actually just did a workshop last weekend where she introduced Christian life coaching and I introduced what is spiritual direction or practices and how to use the Enneagram for spiritual formation. So it's been exciting and, and great. And I've just left Lord unfold it. I don't recruit. I don't advertise much. And I promote when I need to just to let people know. But it really is just God unfolding things. And at this point, which I'm thrilled about. That's so exciting. Well, I want to ask you some questions about being brave. Since we're talking about walking brave, Mm -hmm. I want to just explore some of these questions with you. I wanted to ask you, when you think of bravery, 
what are the images that come to mind for you? I think at this point, I just really think bravery is moving forward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, I'm trying to think of an image, but it's taking that next step that yeah. feels yeah. like you're kind of climbing upstream. It's going against what your natural pattern would be to just stay comfortable. But whatever it is, we've had a little conversation with just even engaging in hard conversations with my adult children. Yeah, that's an image that comes to mind, like just sitting across the table from them talking about faith and their generation is questioning everything and not being afraid of those conversations, politics, immigration, parenting, you know, sexuality, even our own parenting, where we're talking about things that maybe were disordered in our parenting. And to me, those are images of bravery, like just staying at the table mm-hmm. with, with that next generation and, and gently walking with them as they kind of go through their own, own many wildernesses. Now, I wouldn't say it's quite the dark night, but they're they're wondering. Yeah. They're questioning and not being afraid of those questions because of what we know at this point. Yeah, I think some of the bravest things that I've encountered are those questions that my adult children have brought mm-hmm. up to me. And just being able to listen to the question in full without stopping and questioning them back, but actually listening to what's going on in their minds. That's yeah been a brave place for me. You know, we kind of grew up in the same generation in that you don't question authority. You don't question the adults in your life or disagree disagree with them. Did you have that bumper sticker? The Bible says so. I believe it. That settles it. Yeah. 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 yeah, That's true to a point, but man, they don't buy that right now. They, they have questions. And if we're not able to sit at the table with them, that's the scarier version is if we're not there with them. Right. We have that privilege of walking them through those hard questions and bringing to them a place of grace and compassion and understanding. Mm-hmm. That is a scary place to be. But when you actually sit and engage in those conversations, I don't think for me it feels brave at the time. But when I think back about it, I'm convinced that it is a brave thing to do. Yeah. Because sometimes those of us who are parents of adult children or have teenage children or even the younger children, we know that we don't know the answers or all of them. But being questioned about those things is scary sometimes because I think we think we should know all the answers. Mm -hmm. We should have have the ideas of what's coming up next. When we we don't, it is scary. It's scary for us as parents. We don't want our kids to wander away. We want to hold them tight and starting to entertain the thought they're not wandering away. They're just trying to figure out where they are. You know, where is all this in the world? How does this gospel fit into our current world? And I think that's why we have to keep returning to how Jesus lived. Now, that's mm-hmm. the gospel. That's the kingdom. Mm-hmm. That's where we have to center. And they're good with that. You know, they, yeah. they get that. I was thinking back about a conversation that you and I had just a few days ago. We were talking about John 15. And I know that's one of the places that you camp a lot. And I love that chapter of the Bible because it's Jesus just really pouring into his followers at that point. Man. And he says, if my word dwells in you, mm-hmm. to, have, to have my words living vitally, one translation says, in within you. you, then ask what you will, and it'll be done for you. But the key was what you were saying, which I loved this, and I've been thinking about it since you said it, was what are those words that he mm-hmm. says? Now, we, know, now, we that, know that scripture tells us Jesus is the word made flesh, mm-hmm. but, but the word himself said a lot of words. And thinking about what those words are, I Googled it after we talked about it. (laughs) And he said a lot of words. He said a lot of things that we should be about the business of doing. 
I mean, I, I, we don't have enough time to go into all of those words, but some of the things that I think I see the younger generation really doing is finding out what those words are and, and doing, them. doing them, being, doers. being yeah. doers of the words. It's exciting to me to see my daughters, especially walking in those brave pathways and doing Names. some things and pursuing some things that I would have never dreamed of doing at their mm-hmm. ages. Yeah, I love that. Early on when I taught John 15, it was about memorizing the word, having it you know, memorized in there. Yeah. But as we talked, it's, you know, it's actually living how Jesus lived and what, what were his words, you know? Like, mm-hmm. The words like, feed the poor, visit those in prison, clothe the naked. You know, those were his words that he taught and that he lived. And it's such a life-giving opportunity for us because then mm-hmm. he says i'm telling you these things so your joy will overflow yeah. Yeah. and i'm still pondering too like am i lacking joy on those days when i'm not living out those words mm-hmm. is that where my joy is depleting because i'm being too self-centered or too self-absorbed or not engaging with people that i'm uncomfortable to be around or whatever it is lot to think about there yeah it's a brave step for those of us who have walked in faith for a long time to begin to think differently about what the words of Jesus actually mean. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It is. I mean, I just turned 60 this year, so I see the younger generations kind of questioning and you know, really thinking outside the box, and really Jesus is growing bigger for them, which mm-hmm. I think is wonderful. But my generation, there's not a lot of people having this conversation. You know, it's yeah. pretty much still about stay in the lines, but you know, everything's pretty black and white, mm-hmm. and, you know, just do this and don't question it. I'm praying for more open hearts to really live and understand and open our hearts to what these younger people are drawing our attention to because it has to be addressed. Mm -hmm. We want to keep everybody at the table. Yeah. So how can we in our generation begin to encourage others in our generation to step out in bravery and actually have these tough conversations? Well, I think what you're doing is is a big (laughs) Step. One of my mentors, Chuck, who you've heard me talk about, he would say to me, Grace, the fruit will be self-evident. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it is just as we really live into this and live what we're seeing in the red letters in the mm-hmm. scripture, mm-hmm. that we will bear that fruit and people will taste that fruit and we'll be able to share authentically like this is what I'm experiencing walking this way of remaining in Jesus's words. And you want to come here with me, like just inviting Mm -hmm. people into that conversations in a gentle, gracious way. You know, when you first kind of go into the wilderness, you can be pretty harsh and and judgmental Mm -hmm. toward what you feel like wounded you. But when you see that those were sacred wounds through the hand of God, that were inviting you into a deeper place with him. And you really engage and walk with that for a while, then you can go back and have those conversations with people that you may even label as harsh or mm-hmm. too rigid or legalistic or whatever in a way that is gracious and kind and open to what they have to bring me too. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't arrived. I don't know all the answers. All I know is what was working didn't work anymore for me. Yeah. And I'm happy to share that with you. But it has to be a gracious conversation both ways. Right, right. And not everybody's ready for that. I think let them taste and see Jesus enough that it's good, and then inviting them into conversations that are gracious and kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the thing that's lacking in a lot of those conversations, just mm-hmm. kindness. kindness. Yeah. We're, we're so concerned about getting our point across and making yeah. sure they know what we stand on and what we believe, and this yeah. is our bully pulpit in some ways, and not really extending grace and kindness to others. 
And the scripture tells us it's his kindness that brings us to repentance, that brings us to him. So if that was so important to God, Mm -hmm. scripture tells us it's kindness that does this. It's not his judgment. It's not the wrath of God. It's Mm -hmm. not his calling out sin in our lives, the conviction. Right. Right. It's his kindness. Yes, there is conviction. Yes, there is Mm -hmm. consequence Mm -hmm. for sin, but his kindness brings us Mm -hmm. to repentance. And I think when we are extending kindness and love to others, his heart is in the forefront. It comes through and we begin to see God's heart then and are drawn to that. I'm more drawn to kindness than judgment, for sure. (laughs) For sure. It is intentional. It has to be an authentic overflow from what you've received. You know, and that's Mm -hmm. why I love John 15 so much. Like until I've experienced that kindness, that grace, that forgiveness Mm -hmm. from where I constantly sin and blow it, then I can pour that out to other people. Mm -hmm. But it's the overflow from him. I can't muster it up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that picture. When you talk about the overflow, I know you've used the example mm-hmm. of having your cup filled up and and just sitting under the flow of the Holy Spirit and not yeah. being busy running around trying to pour it out, but just sitting <laughs> and letting it flow, yeah. flow out of that intimate relationship. That picture to me is such a picture of rest, yet, mm-hmm. it's, yet act- it's active at the same time. I see the water is pouring or the Spirit is pouring into me and it's flowing out of me from a place of rest, a place of contentment and connection. For me, that was a brave thing to do, to rest and sit Mm -hmm. with the Lord and and let him do the work basically and just be part of it like we were talking about earlier. Bravery looks different for me now than I think 20 years ago, if someone would have asked me what brave looked like. But. Rest is brave. To rest is brave. <laughs> I think it's a brave step. Yeah. And let, let him do the work through us. Well, we're doers, especially as moms. Yeah. I don't know if, it's, don't know if it's, a, it's a gender thing or not, but I just see the busyness of life and we're not willing to just rest, stop what we're yeah. doing. Grace, thank you so much for your time today on the podcast. I've enjoyed it so much. I've enjoyed hearing from you and your heart for women is huge. And I I just love that you're so passionate about it. And I love that you have done the work. You've really done the work to seek the Lord and what he says about who you are. That is encouraging to me on so many levels. It's ongoing, ongoing work, daily bread, daily manna. Keep us going. I'm sure grateful that I've come to a place where I understand that intimate love more than I ever did. Mm. And that's my passion for women. I want them to experience that love that is so unfailing, so unfailing. Well, thanks again for being All here right. today. Thank you, Sandy. Love you. Keep up the good work. Today's conversation with Grace was such a joy for me. I love her so much. And I do hope you're all encouraged to either keep on making brave choices or to start on a new path of walking brave in your life. Wherever you are in the journey, know that I'm here cheering you on. Walk brave, dear ones. To read more about Grace's heart for walking bravely, you can follow her on her own blog at gkabalka.com. Blogspot.com. To find a link to that blog, go to my website, shewalksbrave.com, and it's on the page with this interview. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to share a story of how you walk brave, 
or how this podcast has inspired you to walk brave, or if you know of a woman who's walking brave in what she does every day, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, sandy at shewalksbrave.com. S-A-N-D-I at shewalksbrave.com. stay up to date on our podcast, go to SheWalksBrave.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at SheWalksBrave. I'm Sandy Floria, and this is She Walks Brave. <laughs>